today, we're going to be looking at um, a really cool chapter of the Bible. We're looking at Mark chapter 5. And we're going to look at a story that I know as a kid, I was like, what? This story can't be true. Or if this is true, my God, I want to see this happen today. I remember my dad would say to me as a, as a young kid, Angie, believe that all things are possible with Jesus. That we are living in a world in which there is the physical and the spiritual. That we need to have faith that God is working in and through our midst. And so we're going to look at a story today in Mark chapter 5. And Graham, I'm going to ask you to bring this down a bit. It's a story about a man of an unfortunate circumstance that when he came into the presence of Jesus, his life was changed. You might be saying, well, this is kind of similar to last week, and it is, because we're in our Welcome Home series. And the emphasis is that when Jesus steps on scene, our life is never the same. Our life is never the same. So we're looking at Mark chapter 5. I'm reading from the CSB. And it says this. They came to the other side of the sea, to the region of Gersenes. <clears throat> As soon as he got out of the boat, a man with an unclean spirit came out of the tombs and met him. He lived in the tombs, and there was no one able to restrain him anymore, not even with a chain. Because he often had been bound with shackles and chains, but had torn the chains apart and smashed the shackles. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always crying out, and cutting himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and knelt before him and cried out with a loud voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, Son, the Most High God? I beg you before God, don't torment me. For he had told him, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. What is your name, he asked. My name is Legion, he answered him, because we are many. And he begged him earnestly not to send them out of the region. Now a large herd of pigs was there feeding on the hillside, and the demons begged him, send us into the pigs so that we may enter them. So he gave them permission, and the unclean spirits came out and entered the pigs. The herd of about 2,000 rushed down the steep bank into the sea, and drowned there. Now the men who tended them ran off and reported to the town and the countryside, and the people went to see what happened. They came to Jesus and saw the man who had been demon-possessed sitting there, dressed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Those who had seen it described to them what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told them about the pigs. Then they began to beg him to leave their region. And as he was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged him earnestly that he might remain with him. But Jesus did not let him, but told him, Go home to your own people and report to them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So he went out and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him, and they were all amazed." What a crazy story, right? 
I mean, this is something you would think is reserved for Hollywood. And yet we have it in the pages of Scripture. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever felt like a prisoner in your own home? Have you ever felt like the man in this story that you've maybe had or still have an unwanted guest at your doorstep? And you've just been waiting to break free. Today, I want faith to arise within your heart. Today is your day in Christ Jesus that he can set us free. Maybe at times you felt hopeless like the man in the story and maybe that thing in your life appears stronger that you've set up in your mind that it's impossible. Andrew, that thing in your life, it is too huge to overcome. But I would say to myself as I say to you, today is your day. Let faith arise. This story should inspire us to inspire faith. I believe Mark chapter 5 shows us that again, when Jesus is in the picture, when he speaks, when he moves, when he acts, his authority brings victory. His authority brings victory. That's something we don't talk about a lot in today's day and age, especially in the church. We focus on the love component, which is so important. God loves us so much. But we need to realize the victory that he has overcome the world. What he did at Calvary over 2,000 years ago, he destroyed the ability of our enemy to wage war against us in the spirit realm. It's important to realize that Christ's victory is our victory. I get excited. When I look at this story, for me, it's more than just a story. This is, this is life. The words of Jesus are spirit and life that he can speak into our circumstance and bring life. Maybe you're like this man and there's times where you feel like your life is being tormented or robbed in different ways. We're going to look at that. Today I want to believe that there can be victory in our thought life, victory in our relationships, victory, victory, victory. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 says this, For although we live in the flesh, last time you checked, you are flesh and blood. Maybe you've bled the other day when you get your vaccination. Okay, so you are flesh and blood. We do not wage war according to the flesh. Since the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but are powerful through God for the demolition of strongholds. Let's pause for a moment and think, what could those strongholds be in our life? What are those things that Jesus, right now in this moment, wants to begin to tear down? That we can demolish arguments and every proud thing that is raised up against the knowledge of God. And we take every thought captive to obey Christ. And so we're going to look at verses 1 to 2. We see here, in this story, we have a demon-possessed man filled with an unclean spirit that is worth Saving. Point number one is that all people are worth being saved, are worth saving. So Jesus approaches this situation head on. Isaiah, I'm inspired by this because a lot of times we can tuck our tail and run when things get heavy, when things get tough. Here Jesus, he knows his authority. He goes up to the demon-possessed man and an exchange of words takes place. We want to park there for a moment. Before this exchange takes place, let's just very quickly look at, well, who are demons? 
Who are demons? Demons are, for those who aren't aware, are fallen angels. Demons were, uh, angels were created by God, but they followed Satan, Lucifer the devil, in a rebellion against God. And it says that one-third followed Satan in rebellion and willful disobedience against God. Their primary, uh, primary activities that I have listed here as I was pouring through scripture, it seems to be that not only are they engaging in spiritual warfare, but their, their mission is to tempt you and I to sin, to tempt us to be disobedient to God. Not only that, to deceive the world into believing lies about themselves. I mean, that can't be true today, right? People don't believe deception, do we? But we know it's true. We look around this world, we look at God's created or his good and perfect purpose for our lives, what he's created, even the identity and relationships and who he says about us. A lot of those things are becoming distorted and twisted and chipped away. By who? These ministering demons. Now we're not going to get caught up in, in focusing on demons today, but it's important to realize who our spiritual enemy really is. Lucifer the devil, the fallen angel of heaven, who said, I will be like the most high God. And he took a third of the angels with him, which highlights free will. Just like them, we have the choice to worship the most high God, to align ourselves with him or not. In Matthew 25... Jesus speaks of what their end will be, what the end of these ministering demons will be. He says that one day that he says, depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. In Revelations 20.10, the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur where the beast and false prophet are, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Why do we have these verses? It's not something to be gloomy about. It is something for us to stir hope that their day in court their day of judgment is certain. We don't have to get caught up or worried about their presence or their activity, the here and the now. We trust in Jesus that he's going to work things through in our, in our circumstance, knowing that their day is soon to come. And so we look at verses 3 to 5 as we go back to our story. There appears to be a hopeless situation. There appears to be a hopeless situation. It's like elevator music. <laughs> Jesus is calling. I've actually always wanted to say that. Jesus is calling. It's okay. Take your time. It's good. So we see in this situation, the highlight here is no situation is too much for God. We see Jesus as he's on scene, he practices what he preaches. He's willing to go to the oppressed. He's willing to go to those in need even to the ones that other people will not go to. Well, look at the story. We see this man, he's living in tombs. People have tried to restrain them, and they haven't been able to. He's been breaking these shackles. And so this speaks to me, makes me wonder, where am I willing to go? What kind of people am I willing to associate with, to speak to, to go to, for those who are in need and clearly Oppressed. Oppression is a real thing. 
We can see here from chapter 5, this man has no longer had uh, connection with community. We all know what it's like to have friends, to have people we can hang out with. This man is hanging out among the dead. They don't speak to him unless they're demons. He's alone. And the Jews, what's interesting here is the Jews not only considered pigs unclean, they considered graves, the dead unclean. So this man was so unclean that people wouldn't come anywhere near him. And so on the other hand, for us today, as we try and put ourselves in the story, where do we prefer to live? What are the places where we set up our home? Maybe there's things that we accommodate in our lives. Maybe because it's easier. Maybe because we want to fit into culture. These are the things I've been asking myself. Andrew, what are the things that you're willing to accommodate in order to fit in? But Jesus, the beautiful thing is, the hope at the, uh, on the other end of the story is that he can call us out of those places. Why? Because his name means victory. His name means victory. We don't have to accommodate that unwelcome guest. Think about it for a moment. What is, who is that unwelcome guest in your life? What are those voices speaking to you? What are those unwelcome thoughts we combine those strongholds, every argument that sets itself up against the name of Jesus. Think about those things. We're going to look at Mark chapter 3. And as we go there, it's a really a neat exchange where Jesus emphasizes that although Satan is a strong man, there's no denying that he is... Um, He's a creative being with power and that he's determined to wreak havoc, but Jesus highlights that he is the stronger man. Look at this, Mark chapter 3, verse 20. It says, Jesus entered a house and the crowd gathered again so that they were not even able to eat. When his family heard this, they set out to restrain him because they said he's out of his mind. The scribes who had come down from Jerusalem said he is possessed by Beelzebub. And he drives out demons by the ruler of demons. So he summoned them and spoke to them in parables. How can Satan drive out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. If a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. And if Satan opposes himself and is divided, he cannot stand but is finished. But no one can enter a strong man's house and plunder his possessions unless he first ties up the strong man then he can plunder his house. Truly I tell you, people will be forgiven for all sins and whatever blasphemies they utter, but whoever blasphemies against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness, but is guilty of an eternal sin because they were saying he has an unclean spirit. And his mothers and his brothers came and standing outside, they sent word to him and called him. A crowd was sitting around him and told him, look, your mother, your brothers, your sisters are outside asking for you. And Jesus replied to them, Who are my mother and my brothers? Looking at those sitting in a circle around him, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does the will of God is my brother and sister and mother. What I love about this passage is that it is God's will for us to follow Jesus, the strong man who is tied, who has bound Satan. And has plundered his house. Have you ever walked into a house after it's been broken into? It's a crazy scene. I remember when John and I, one day, we came home from school. I don't remember what grade we were in. We're walking up the driveway, and we're seeing all these VHS tapes on the driveway. 
We're getting close. Like, that's kind of odd. There's Titanic sitting on the, the driveway. Oh, there's Point Break with Keanu Reeves. And then we're going up further. And we're like, my goodness, the door's wide open. Oh, the, the bathroom window's open. I thought that, what? What's going on? We go inside, and the place was kind of a mess. It was not in order. The, the people had come in and had plundered our house. It's a crazy, it's a crazy feeling. But the wonderful thing is, all, all was well with what was taken, what was stolen. In a similar fashion, when Jesus comes in the picture, he plundered the, the household, if you will, of Satan, wreaking havoc, victory within the stronghold of Satan for our benefit. And this highlights for us in this story in Mark chapter 5, that without intervention, what would have happened to this man? What would have happened to this man who's walking among the tomb and the grave? I think the pigs show us a picture. That these oppressive spirits had one mission, one intent. And that was destruction. Pure and utter destruction. And so maybe like me, you're looking at this passage and saying, passage and saying what, do I, what do we do with this? Well, for one, it speaks to me that we don't have to be polite to Satan. We don't have to be civil to demonic activity. But we need to exercise what? Authority over them. Jesus said this to Peter. He said, Peter, and on this rock I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he gave the disciples orders to tell no one that he was the Messiah. From then on, Jesus began to point out to his disciples that it was necessary for him to go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders, chief priests, scribes, and be killed and raised on the third day. The emphasis here in verse 19 I'm trying to highlight is that he has given his followers the keys to the kingdom, authority to bind and loose. Rabbis, scribes, it was very common for them to loose the people, the Jewish people, from certain customs and then bind them to new ones. Well, here Jesus is showing that you don't have to submit to demonic activity. You don't have to submit to that oppression, but you have free will to choose. We have free will to Jews. And this is something that was speaking to me. Andrew, you don't have to be civil to demonic activity. So verse 6, demons recognize Jesus' authority. you got to love the response. James chapter 2 says, You believe there is a God who is one? Good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. We can see here that the demons... They came to him and said, what do you have to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I beg you before God, don't torment me. They knew who Jesus represented. They knew that Jesus came from heaven. All authority on heaven and earth was given to him. They knew his mission. John chapter 3, verse 8, one of my favorite verses says that the son of God, his purpose was revealed to destroy the devil's works. Sometimes we try to accommodate and think like, no, you know, I'm just going to have to live with this thing for the rest of my life. I don't believe that he's called us to live day in and day out with these types of oppressive thoughts and feelings. doesn't mean they won't come, but we can take authority over them in Jesus' name.
Let's look and see what Jesus said in Luke chapter 4. He showcases his purpose. Luke 4 verse 18, he says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, and to set free the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. And the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fixed on him. Just as when Jesus read this scroll, hear the eyes of everyone from the village, the Decapolis, come in hearing about what Jesus had done. He had freed this man from this oppression. We don't know how long it was happening, but it was happening. And they heard the story like, my God, this man who was insane, now he's fully dressed and sane. Wow. They, like the demons, recognize the authority. I believe like this exchange in the story that we can learn a lesson from both the demons as well as the people. And here's why. We see the demons are begging Jesus not to torment them, for, for him to leave them alone. How many times, and I'm speaking to myself, have I asked Jesus, leave me alone? When he speaks in the quiet place, the Bible says to go in your prayer closet in prayer. When he speaks, do we listen? Or do we tune out his voice? Because maybe it makes us uncomfortable. Maybe we feel at times that it's like a tormenting voice. But we know that can't be true, that he who is light, he who dispels darkness. If we feel that way, that's because of the oppressive voice who is saying, no, don't believe those words. Did God really say? We know where that comes from. That comes right from the Garden of Eden, from Lucifer himself, the originator of sin. And so the times when we ask Jesus to leave us alone, maybe that's because this happens when we become comfortable in the home we've made for ourselves. And I think this is why Jesus gave the demons permission to go into pigs. People, when I was reading with some Bible scholars were saying, one guy was saying, um, I, don't, I don't know if he's actually um, speaking the affirmative of Christianity, but he was saying, Jesus showed a complete disregard for personal property. And I thought, well, okay, there, there is something to be said there. There's, this is a Gentile region. We know that Jews wouldn't, um, Jews wouldn't be keeping pigs. And this is really bad for business. Total disregard for property. But I believe that Jesus wanted people to know, this, he wasn't sugarcoating it, that the enemy is real and he has one mission and one mission only, and that's destruction. And it was highlighted by how they entered the pigs and, and made them run off the cliff. 2,000 of them. There's no way to sugarcoat it. Sometimes the world wants to make it look glamorous. But it's not glamorous. It's far from glamorous. And what's amazing here is that Jesus would not allow these demons to inhabit people. He was done with that. It's like, sure, you can go in the pigs. It shows how Jesus had so much care for us, for his children. Our home is a sacred place. We know that. Our home is a safe place. It's a place where God dwells by his spirit. The scripture promises that he is built and that a tent, a temple where he dwells by his spirit and that Jesus is spirit. 
And one of these words, as you're you're sitting here and and, and pondering on these things are being said, remember this, that Jesus who is spirit, he says, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. It doesn't say there are strongholds. It doesn't say there'll be continuous oppression. There's no luck for you. Sorry. It says there is freedom in your thought life, in all your relationships, in your marriages, in your health. This is the very thing that I entrusted to Jesus in the diagnosis of cancer to the point of talking to my surgeon and the, and the day of going in for surgery that I've, I'm trusting myself to God's capable hands, that he is able to work his healing touch in my life and also through the physician who was doing incredible work for my benefit. And what's interesting is I was reading this story. I had never thought of this before, and maybe you have. And if you have, that's awesome is that I think this story highlights the authority that we have in Christ, the same authority that Adam and Eve had in the garden, except they didn't cast out Satan. They went along for the ride. This encourages us to welcome God into our home, to welcome the spiritual life. I don't know who said this, but someone said, some people just want to see the world burn. You and I are are ministers of light. Through us, Jesus can dispel darkness by his spirit. We have a choice to make. I was talking with my brother the other day. At the end of the day, we have a choice to either believe upon the word of God, to live by the word of God above all else. It's like the song saying, nothing else matters. Nothing else matters. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a guide to my path. The thing that I was realized the other night when I was praying, and I believe the Spirit was speaking in my heart, is that no matter what, the enemy's plan is always to thwart, subvert, and pervert the plans and purposes of God. We don't have to lose heart. In closing, as you look at verses 14 to 17, the crowd's response is important. The crowd's response is important. We can see here that when Jesus ministered to people, when he was casting out demons, healing the sick, there would be two things that happened. Either people were filled with awe and were like, praise God! Or they were like, get away from me, Jesus! (laughs) Leave, please, leave! And we see in this situation that it seemed like the majority were not happy with him and wanted him to go and to go quickly. It says in verse 17... Then they began to beg him to leave the region. But the man who was possessed, who was once captive but now free, he didn't want any of that. He didn't want to go along for the ride. He, was, he had witnessed that first and foremost. Now he was going along with Jesus. He wanted to follow him. And I love what Jesus did in that situation. That he gave this man a renewed purpose and mission. He gave him a renewed, renewed purpose and mission. Because this man was brought back to life, he now could speak life into those he came in contact with. Yeah, I was once bound. Yes, the, the, the demonic activity is really used to wreak havoc in my life, but Jesus freed me from that oppression. That was the message that this man was going to bring. And it wasn't... Um, It was a very different situation because this region was full of Gentiles. They weren't Jews. 
Jesus was leaving a witness to carry on in his absence. In many ways, this man was the first messenger to the Gentiles long before Paul ever stepped on the scene, the Apostle Paul, because we knew this region was full of Gentiles. And so like this man and his life being restored, declaring the goodness of God, our life day in and day out is transformed and changed by the goodness of God. We are his witnesses. We can speak to others about the life that we've received. So as the worship team comes uh, to lead us in a, in a closing song, in a time of ministry, it's important for us to see how important our witness really is. That Jesus works and moves within our life. That we all have a united mission. When Jesus left the disciples, he said, you will be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. And he said that I am with you. All authority on heaven and on earth has been given to me. Now go. It's important that we walk in that authority. Even when we face a daunting situation. A few weeks ago, I was on the path, the Waterford Trail, and I met a gentleman that had an issue with his leg, and he wasn't able to um, walk very well. And to make a long story short, that we believed and prayed together that he would be touched and healed. And I got to tell you, it's really scary when you step out in that circumstance and believing for God to intervene in the person's life. Because if they're not healed, you, doubt can start swirling around, and you, you, you get the picture. But I decided, you know what, I've seen God move. I've seen his healing hand in my life and other people's lives. And I want to believe that he can give victory to this person because he has all authority. And it happened. It happened. And so you and I are witnesses of Jesus' wonder-working power. And that's why our website says that we all have a story to share. We're glad you're here. Welcome home. Because our individual and collective stories can speak hope into other people's lives. That that thing that used to wreak havoc in your life, Andrew, that inspires me. That very thing that Jesus has freed you from will inspire others. This is the inheritance for all of us who follow Jesus. To bind and loosen all things in the name of Jesus. Every argument, every stronghold that sets itself up against the knowledge of Christ. And so as they sing, I want to invite you to think of those things, maybe the things we've accommodated in our life, maybe the things that we've welcomed into our thought life, into our home, and we can declare victory over those things. You don't have to shout them out, but if you feel that you want to do that, by all means. At the end of the day, we need to band together, to love one another, to first and foremost love the Lord our God above everything else. And then when we put Him first, we will love out of putting Him first. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you, Jesus, that you have given us all authority that one word from you changes everything. Thank you that like this demon-possessed man, that you can reach into our circumstance, you can reach into what seems impossible, 
and turn things around for our good. Lord, we speak to those things that are wreaking havoc in our thought life. We come against them in the name of Jesus. Those arguments and strongholds that have set themselves up against the knowledge of who you are and your plans and purpose for our life, we say be cast out of our life in the name of Jesus. We thank you, Lord, that we can bind and loose by your loving name. And so we cast depression out of our life in Jesus' name. We cast all infirmity out of our life right now in Jesus' name. And we look to you, the author and perfecter of our faith. We glorify you. Lord, thank you for the story that you're imprinting on our hearts. The stories individually and collectively that we get to share with our friends, our loved ones, and community. Thank you that we're not alone in the spiritual battle and that you have won the day. And so we look for you to return, Jesus. We love you and anticipate that glorious day, the day of the Lord, when you will return and we will be face to face to become like you are. Thank you for this moment that we have to respond in worship. stand with us here in the last song if you're able the weapon may be formed but it won't prosper when the darkness falls it won't breathe in so God has served us only how to triumph my God will never fail. That's right. My God will never fail. I'm gonna see a victory. I'm gonna see a victory. For the battle belongs to you, Lord. Let's declare that. I'm gonna see a victory. I'm gonna see a victory. For the battle belongs to you, Lord. There's power. There's power in the mighty name of Jesus. Every war he wages, he will. down from any giant I know I know how this story ends yes we do we learn I know I know how this story ends I'm gonna see a victory I'm gonna see a victory for the battle belongs to you Lord I'm gonna see a victory a victory for the battle belongs to you Lord 
sing us again. Yeah, you take what the enemy meant for evil, and you turn it for good. God's a miracle worker. He loves doing that. Let's sing this together. You take what the enemy meant for evil, and you turn it for good. Yeah, you turn it for good. Let's sing it. You take what the enemy meant for evil, and you turn it for good. Yeah, you turn it for good. One well, last time. Let's declare it. You take what the enemy meant for evil, and you turn it for good. Yeah, yeah, you turn it for good. I'm going to see a victory. I'm going to see a victory for the time together. I'm going to see a victory. I'm going to see a victory. For the battle belongs to you, Lord. I'm going to see a victory. I'm going to see a victory. For the battle belongs to you, Lord.